Our last series gave you the idea that your identity is constantly stolen from you by the secular world. We gave you ways to avoid or reverse this theft. The focus on God and Jesus is your life lock to heaven. So why is this series titled, You Don't Have What It Takes? Sounds like we are trying to have you just give up. Well, that is the world talking. You know, even Christians are beaten by the voice of their peers that God will not accept them because they are not following the hundreds of rules in Leviticus and Deuteronomy. Or you were told that God does not like you because you don't give to a church or you don't even volunteer. Now, my favorite is that I am not a true pastor because I am a sinner. And this came even while I was in classes for my pastoral credentials. You know, with that kind of attitude, God would just have let us die on our performance review alone. And this is the performance trap we are talking about today. Now, people, both religious and secular, see performance as a milestone in your life. You know, own a house, get a new car, have fine clothes, expensive toys, etc. Yes, these things are nice to have, but these performance milestones are rooted in secular performance. Even the great heroes of the Bible had fallen to the performance trap, but still became the core of both the New and Old Testament stories and experiences. Abraham said to God, Do I, a mere mortal, made from a handful of dirt, dare open my mouth again to my master? How about Isaiah yelling, Every word I have ever spoken is tainted, blasphemous even! And the people I live with talk the same way using words that corrupt and desecrate. Then there's Peter, the one who denounced Jesus three times after Jesus' death. You know, rebuked Jesus for Jesus' trust in Peter, saying, Master, leave. I'm a sinner and can't handle this holiness. Leave me to myself. Even Paul reflected about himself, saying, I was once a blasphemer and a prosecutor and a violent man. Hopefully you get my point. All four of these individual statements are summed up basically in one passage. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. You, me, pastors, priests, everyone. We're all sinners. Once you accept this fact, the performance trap loses its hold. Even the Apostle Paul outlines his past and tells his readers in Philippians that works do not get you into heaven. And strap in, folks. This is going to be a long passage. You know my pedigree. A legitimate birth, circumcised on the eighth day, an Israelite from the elite tribe of Benjamin, a strict and devout adherent to God's law. A fiery defender of the purity of my religion, even to the point of persecuting the church. A meticulous observer of everything set down in God's law book. The very credentials these people are waving around as something special, I'm tearing up and throwing out with the trash, along with everything else I used to take credit for. And why? Because of Christ. Yes, all the things I once thought were so important are gone from my life. Compared to the high privilege of knowing Christ Jesus as my master firsthand, everything I once thought I had going for me is insignificant. Dog done. 
I've dumped it all into the trash so that I could embrace Christ and be embraced by him. I didn't want some petty, inferior brand of righteousness that comes from keeping a list of rules when I could get the robust kind that comes from trusting Christ, God's righteousness. So, am I destined for heaven if I just follow, believe, and have faith in Jesus? Absolutely, because Jesus, in his own words, came to restore God's law. Now, some of you out there I know are having that aha he contradicted himself moment right now. You are so wrong with this attitude. Jesus came to restore God's law. This is true. But God's law are on two tablets nestled in the Ark of the Covenant. Yes, we're talking about the Ten Commandments, and yes... Jesus did expand on the commandments regarding homosexuality and adultery. Now, this message will not focus on that, but on the aspect that both Leviticus and Deuteronomy laws are both man-made and are work-based laws. Again, these two books list law after law after law regarding how to live, act, and work in order to get to heaven. And this is because the man-made laws focus on pleasing God by following these rules. And Paul called these rules insignificant and on the same level as dog excrement. Seriously, it's not about rules are meant to be broken, but to focus on the rules that God gave on two tablets and expound by Jesus. So if works are not a way to get into heaven and by following Jesus will, why do I need to volunteer or donate to a church, guild, or other nonprofit? Just because Jesus died for our sins does not mean we can be lazy on earth. In our last series, I said that we are destined and called to make our communities and our world a better place to live. Volunteering at a food bank, donating to churches, giving to world-changing nonprofits are not required, but these acts fulfill our calling. We are compelled to do this because Jesus did. We are following the example Jesus laid out in his ministry. Just because he was the son of man without sin and guaranteed a place in heaven, Jesus continued to minister to the hungry, the poor, and the crippled. He didn't do these acts and miracles because he had to. He did all these things because it was the right thing to do. When you realize that God accepts me through Christ and repeating Jesus' actions on earth, you are no longer living for God's approval, but from his approval. If you wish an example of this very point, look at the baptism of Jesus in the Jordan River. Here's the entire scene, as written in Matthew chapter 3, verses 13 through 7. Jesus then appeared, arriving at the Jordan River from Galilee. He wanted John to baptize him. John objected, I'm the one who needs to be baptized, not you. But Jesus insisted, do it. I know, <laughs> Palpatine there, but... But Jesus insisted, do it. God's work putting things right all these centuries is coming together right now in this baptism. So John did. The moment Jesus came up out of the baptismal waters, the skies opened up and he saw God's spirit. It looked like a dove descending and landing on him. And along with the spirit, a voice, this is my son, 
chosen and marked by my love, delight of my life. In this one moment, God approved Jesus's decision to be baptized. Jesus did not seek God's approval, but actually strengthened his ministry because Jesus received God's approval. Today, many Christians fall back into the performance trap, believing that working on good deeds will get them into heaven or even a higher spot in the celestial house. Nothing can be further from the truth. Jesus fed, healed, and blessed people because he wanted the world to follow his example and make the world better. His place in heaven is guaranteed by God. Your place in heaven is guaranteed when you follow Christ. However, we continue the ministry of Jesus to ensure we leave this world better than when we arrived. Until next time.